Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Healthy Empath Podcast. I am joined today with Dr. Eva Detko. She has a whole lot of certifications. <laughs> She's got a PhD in physiology, biochemistry, initial, uh, nutritional sciences, uh, excuse me, sciences, and then a whole list of other stuff that, you know, perhaps she can touch on, but you know, she's been studying natural medicine for and the human mind for 22 years. And, you know, she's been through her own health journey. Um, the reason really I resonated with and wanted to talk because just listening to her, I could, I could feel, I could feel the truth. I could feel that this is someone who's genuine, genuinely been on their healing journey and, you know, helps people in a very healthy and holistic manner uh, that takes in a, a wide variety of approaches and, you know, just considering a lot of different aspects. So that's, really why I wanted to talk to her and I could just get that feeling that this was, you know, a person, I, I mentioned that a lot with the guests, I could just kind of like, you know, tell like, oh, this person has, has been through it, really. Uh, and that's the, the sense I get from her. So I'm excited to share her with all of you today. So with that being said, welcome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for this introduction. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to you. You're picking up on those vibes. Yeah, there's definitely resonance there. So yeah, excited to uh, to be here and share what I can to empower people. Good, good. Yeah, and you can touch on it if you want to add to your bio and that that kind of stuff. Feel free. But I, I know you host, um, you know, summits and workshops and courses and work with clients. So there, you know, you can find out more about that over at her website, which she'll share. But um, so can you get us a little started with your health journey and kind of what you went through and what started all and how you came to um, approach health the way you do now? Yeah, it's just like we were saying just before we started, uh, indeed, um, intergenerational trauma and, and birth trauma were actually big pieces for me in my healing. And um, as people may or may not know, um, neurologically and epigenetically speaking, when you have trauma and exposure to stress early in your life, it then makes you sort of more susceptible to subsequent trauma. So uh, when I, when my mother was pregnant with me, um, it was around Three, three months into the pregnancy, her sister, her younger sister died. Uh, her younger sister died as a result of a vaccine injury. Uh, this was back in the early 70s. And as people may now know, because there's a lot of evidence coming out, my mother's sister was not the only one who, who died as a result of the, uh, the polio vaccine. That was around at a time. But obviously, you know, each and every case uh, was a tragedy for, for each of those families. And basically what that meant was my mother went almost slightly, she just, she just couldn't cope at all with that. Um, she um, had, and at, at the time, let's just, you know, this is early 70s, right? So there was no psychotherapy or neurological neuroscience based techniques that I use now with my clients. No, none of this existed and people really were expected to, you know, just deal with trauma. It wasn't even called trauma at that time. There was no such thing as any kind of talk about it either. So people just got on with it. But um, my mother had her own uh, trauma unresolved from her childhood. So she was already, and she's an empath. Um, so she was already 
more more susceptible and more vulnerable. So when that happened, when my when her sister died, it, it just hit her like a ton of bricks. And actually, she went a little like almost loopy over it. And she wanted to dig my aunt up to make sure she's really dead. I mean, you know, really kind of complete denial at the beginning. And then obviously the grief hit her and she was pregnant with twins. And what was interesting to me, and I still think it's incredibly interesting that um, she, she developed toxemia of pregnancy and the other baby died in the womb and she was carrying that baby, that dead baby for like a few weeks before, before the birth um, so she couldn't breastfeed me because what was coming out of her breast was like green fluid. <laughs> it's like, we're like totally toxic. So there was no way that, um, I was able, um, to have any of that. And not to mention that the birth was traumatic because I, I breached and I started coming out with like what, my arm first and they had to push me back in. And it was just like really, really a lot of craziness and a lot of trauma and drama. Um, and her consultant, when, uh, you know, they were um, sort of, in fact, they were at some point uh, having a debate, which she over, you know, she could hear because they were in the corridor and like, should we save the mother or should we save the baby? Because I don't think we can save them both. And then they had this argument who to save. And they was like, well, the baby won't survive without the mother and the mother can still have more babies and all of that. So they were actually considering like completely not saving me at all. Right? I'm glad they changed their mind. But so she was obviously going through the, the traumatic process of birth and still like having that going on like next to her. Um, and being completely dependent on the decision that those people were going to make. Uh, but uh, basically, the consultant actually said to her that without a doubt, to, to in his mind, that the outcome of her and how it all kind of played out in the end, and the outcome and what, what, what happened with her pregnancy and the fact that the other baby didn't make it, was because of the trauma that she'd gone through with her sister dying. So even then, even though there was no trauma informed anything, there was, there were no techniques, modalities that people could go to. Um, the only thing they had it at the time, because Poland is, is a very religious country. So people would just go to church and they would pray. And that would be that the thing that some people still, still do that and still have. And that's the way of dealing with it, spirituality and that's the only people think that those people had at the time, really. Um, but it's interesting that that person, that doctor at the time, actually did connect the dots. That's very interesting to me. But I didn't actually know that that actually that that had happened until later in life. So then, here I am coming into this environment where everybody is 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 very strange emotionally, and I'm sure people who are a little bit more sensitive to emotions and to energy understand where you have this kind of onslaught of like, on the one hand, it's almost like it can make you a bit almost schizophrenic. But on the one hand, it's like that extreme joy and happiness, right? Because there's a new baby and she's going to feel the hole after my aunt just died a few months 
earlier. And then at the same time, there is this extreme sadness, grief, and guilt to do with what happened. Um, so it was just sort of like emotionally, I think, and energetically, obviously, even though I can't, obviously, I don't remember it, but um, it was a very clearly confusing time. And so to my nervous system, it was just a complete overwhelm. Um, my grandmother was, I just basically, I was healing her and she was healing me. And I am, I will always be grateful that, that I had that because if I, if I hadn't had my grandmother's, you know, fussing over me and this like extreme, like love and outpouring of love, um, then I probably would have suffered even worse consequences of, of the, of that birth trauma and that intergenerational trauma. But at least I was healed a little bit by my grandmother. But, um, but then, like I said, all of that, it primes the nervous system and the brain for more trauma when you go through something like that so early. And then um, I then, well, I was bullied at school. I suffered abuse and various other things. And then as a, as a teenager, I was actually suicidal for a while. I, I just struggled emotionally a lot um, and kind of almost into my, my kind of late teens. And it was only at that point where I, I really thought, I, I can't live like this. I just like literally cannot live like this. Uh, if that's what, what the rest of my life is like, then I may as well end it now because I just, there's just no way I'm going to go through God knows um, how many decades of this, right? Um, and I, but I knew there was always something in me that made me move forward and look for answers. And I knew at some level that I was going to find those answers and I was going to heal, but it, it was quite a sort of bumpy ride. I mean, I was bullied really badly at school for four years, four years of absolute torture. So that, that kind of ongoing repetitive trauma, I mean, that, that really um, just completely almost destroyed my identity and my, well, it completely destroyed my self-worth, obviously. And I had to kind of rebuild it from scratch, if that makes sense. And of course, when you have so much going on, then it's only a matter of time when it starts breaking uh, your body down because uh, you've got the trauma. Uh, first, you've got, you know, this kind of, and you've got this energetic onslaught, but it goes into your mental body and then it eventually goes into your physical body, right? So sooner or later, when you have unresolved trauma, it starts breaking your body down. And so, so I then became more susceptible to all sorts of things. And I ended up with chronic fatigue and I have fibromyalgia and thyroid issues and this and that and gut issues and you name it. And, um, yeah, so kind of had to rebuild, rebuild it all from scratch, if you like. But, you know, it's, it's a journey. That's why we're here, isn't it? I mean, we're here to experience. So I certainly can say that, um, yeah, I've, I've experienced stuff. And I, I've now, you know, I've turned it around. I mean, something that you look back on and go, okay, right, it was a gift. You know, it was meant to bring me where I am here right now in this moment. And in this now moment, it's brilliant and I'm loving life and I'm enjoying every minute. So clearly, you know, I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been uh, for all those experiences. So it's in that way, it is all good, but it's just been an interesting journey.
Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing. Lots of chills at different points and just yeah, feeling feeling it myself. They uh so you started to answer some of the questions I was gonna ask, but um so move throughout that timeline, one thing I was gonna ask, yeah, is like how the body body started to be affected by those, you know, since that early trauma and how that was manifested. And then for those interested more on, on birth trauma, I think that was episode two or three um we we went into that and explained the, the importance and the significance of that so um yeah what age did your your body start to like break down like you mentioned you mentioned um you know like the the fatigue and this and that and then and when you were healing it then did you start to make the connections that it was you know related to those things or, were, or did you just start like you know nutritionally and thinking it was that like how did that that process start to begin when you started you know building basically growing a new body <laughs> yeah i it's my gut issue started in my 20s in my early 20s it's actually if if i i really properly think about it then it started with severe gut dysfunction that i was just chasing my tail about and initially um i you know i i knew that gluten wasn't going to do me any good because I actually already was quite interested in nutrition at that time so obviously everybody does that don't they <laughs> first the thing that they go to is quite a natural thing well not everybody but most people most people will um, think well how can I manipulate my food to make myself healthier so I did that with the gut stuff and that, that definitely helped with, uh, with the gut issues. But when I went to develop chronic fatigue at that point, I'd already had quite a good diet. So further tweaking my diet was not going to get me out of chronic fatigue. And I, I, I knew that pretty much from, from the beginning. Um, well, from the, not from the very, very beginning, because I actually had a viral infection and I had, uh, I was initially, I, I was told that that post-viral fatigue is normal and, the, you know, to expect it to be there for a few weeks. So not at the very, very beginning, but three months later, like, uh, hello, come on, uh, it's just not normal, right? So then eventually they actually did diagnose me with chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, but, and at that point, I knew, I knew that there's a lot more to my healing at that point than, than diet. And I couldn't achieve it with, with diet alone. I knew that. <clears throat> and so it was interesting because at that point I started migrating towards things like hypnotherapy, acupuncture, so energy medicine, reflexology, things like that. And I started seeing different people. And it was interesting to me that they were all saying the same things to me. And they all said, listen, I mean, you stressed out of your head. I mean, you just seriously, you're completely neurotic, which I was at the time, um, very reactive and all of that. So, sort of But it was interesting to me that those people were saying similar things to me even though they had nothing to do with each other <laughs> and I was thinking hmm, yeah I better take notice of that because initially you go like no 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 because 
when you admit that you have unresolved trauma and you have emotional toxicity and you have those unresolved issues that you need to face and you don't know how to do it, you tend to be in denial about it and think that, no, no, it's probably something else. But uh, when, when I heard it like two or three times from different people, I thought mm, that sort of got, got me thinking. And um, so, yeah, and then that point, that changed everything. That changed everything. When I, uh, when I did that work, it, it literally, um, yeah, I never looked back. And this is why I then went to study it. And um, I'm, I will be studying this for the rest of my life because there's more, always more uh, to learn on the, you know, whether it's consciousness or neurology, neuroscience, whatever, you know, there's always more to learn, isn't there? So, um, but it's that that is really how it started for me to to really get into how all this connects together and how those things affect each other and everything in the body affects everything else. It's not you know mind and body are not two separate things, like the Rockefeller people are trying to tell you. Yeah, so everything affects everything else. I learned that at that point, and um, I've always since I've lived by that. Um, and it's served me very, very well. Yeah. And so for the, like if someone comes to you with gut, gut health issues, do you start nutritionally and then work on emotional stuff? Or do you just like go straight in? Or like, how do you approach that with people? And then can you also give a, perhaps a description of how that works or how that manifests? You know, how can these, you know, stress and, you know, emotions and trauma affect um, gut health? Uh, well, when I recently did an entire event on the vagus nerve, so obviously um, trauma um, clearly, like I said, it affects different layers of the human being, including the biofield, but it also clearly affects the neurology, affects the brain, and it affects the bodily tissues. Um, but the gut connection ready to all this the emotional toxicity that i'm talking about when i when i talk about emotional toxicity i don't just talk about trauma i'm talking about social engineering and all the belief systems and all that the the crap the emotional conflict that people end up with as a result of early social engineering and obviously trauma not just PTSD one-off type traumas, but also developmental and attachment trauma. It's actually the most um, common type of trauma, to be honest, and it's extremely prevalent. Um, and it's often developmental trauma is often what wasn't present, not what did happen, but also already about what didn't happen. So the child's emotional needs were not met properly. That's really why it's such an elusive thing to for people to kind of come to grips with because it's about what didn't happen rather than what did happen and a lot of developmental trauma is about that obviously neglect also yeah. counts towards that but most of the time that it's about now it but a lot of parents like oh you, oh you had it so rough as a kid you know oh what happened to you you know right they always think of like you know that kind of stuff without thinking of like well okay well what wasn't met you know yeah. for, for the child and i think just because you know, they, they fed you and clothed you and didn't beat you too much that you have nothing to ever complain about. <laughs> exactly. And as we said, this starts to affect the gut from the word go, because there are studies that show that the epigenetic expression 
uh, of even the bugs inside your gut is affected by early exposure to stress. And that early exposure to stress doesn't need to be abuse. It doesn't need to be neglect. It could simply be to do with the fact that you're a sensitive child and you need more cuddles and you're not getting them when you want them. Yeah, simply that could be enough to traumatize a child and often is. So then that already has an impact on the gut at that point. So most absolutely, most gut issues, 100%, I mean, there will be always exceptions, but most gut issues really are linked to early trauma. And this is happening like I said, because of the epigenetic impact on the microbiome, but it's also because of what the early exposure to stress does to our nervous system. And so um, it basically um, activates the nervous system and you end up literally living in fight or flight or freeze. Um, and so what that means is that over time, if you have this sympathetic dominance or what we call dorsal dominance with the freeze response, then what that means is the rest, digest and detoxify and heal, which is the other side of the vagus nerve. It's the ventral vagus. It's not going to activate. It's going to become weaker and weaker and weaker. And the vagus nerve is part of the gut brain axis. So you asked me, how would I approach somebody with gut issues? I mean, obviously, if they're eating at this point, you know, ton of inflammatory stuff and ton of gluten, it's like get the garbage out straight away. But the number one important thing to do is to immediately stop calming down the vagus nerve and stop calming, start calming down the gut brain axis. And that vagus nerve is a big part of that. It's the biggest part of that, actually. So, um, so that would be my approach because if you, if you look at even um, cases of SIBO, for instance, it was like 70 to 80% of, of SIBO cases will have vagus nerve dysfunction at their cause. It's, not, it's nothing to do with other, anything other than the vagus nerve messing up the migrating motor complex. So you can change your diet or take antimicrobials to the nth degree or take probiotics to the nth degree. You're still not going to be able to heal it. And that's why there are people who have been on this journey of trying to heal their gut for years or decades, and they still keep circling around to the same thing. And they tried every diet and they've tried every supplement under the sun. And they're still not where they want to be. I can then guarantee you 100% that if that's what you've experienced, then 100% it's, it's the messed up vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is messed up because of early exposure to stress and also the emotional toxicity that results from early trauma and early conditioning. Because when somebody has... Um, has early trauma and early exposure to stress, and then they, uh, they're basically bombarded with all sorts of crappy programming, right? When they get to the age of 10, 15, 20, and so on, they will have a really screwy belief system. They, their self-worth will be really poor. They will have chronic guilt, chronic shame, chronic anxiety, chronic 
fears, chronic this and chronic that. And that is basically the, the emotional toxicity I'm talking about. So even if somebody um, may not necessarily feel that they stressed out on a day-to-day -day basis, if they have poor self-worth or if they feel overwhelmed or if they have negative self-talk or if they have chronic emotional states like what I've just named, then that's emotionally toxic. And the problem is that people desensitize to that. And often people will tell me, well, that's how I've always been. Well, no, that's not how you've always been. You haven't always been anxious and you haven't always been angry and you haven't always been guilty. You know, like when you're a baby, you're not any of that, right? So it's, you, you, you're born a confident human being. It's just that the life then beats it out of you. And then you make all of those adaptations because all of the attachment styles, even personality styles and all of that, these are adaptations to what we experience in our early lives, not to mention we build a belief system around what happens to us in the first few years of our lives. And then we live by that belief system for the rest of our lives if we don't stop and think about it and then choose to change it. So all of that collectively is this emotional toxicity that even if you eat the best diet in the world and you, you know, it's, it's still going to affect your gut because the vagus nerve is the nerve, the longest nerve of the autonomic nervous system that connects to pretty much every organ in your chest and abdominal cavity, including obviously um, all of the organs of the digestive system uh, that we have. So all the, whether it is to do with release of enzymes or whether it's to do with digesting uh, stuff like stomach, for instance. So vagus nerve connects uh, to your stomach, to your pancreas, to your small intestine, two thirds of the large intestine, and obviously also other organs, your heart, your lungs, uh, your liver, your gallbladder, and um, also the thymus and spleen, which are the part, is part of your immune system. And what messes up the vagus function is that early exposure to stress. Um, so that's really important to understand is that sometimes you get an infection of your gut because you go abroad and you pick up some exotic bug, fine. And if you then take some antimicrobials and you over that, then okay. But most of the time when people are talking about gut issues, we're talking about chronic gut issues, yes, um, whereby, you know, you have irregularity in terms of your bowel movement or you get bloating, you get all of those nasty symptoms. You're not able to digest your food properly, then that messes up your microbiome. And it kind of goes back and forth because one thing gets messed up and then it kind of got, gets on the loop, yeah? It gets on the loop. And then the brain, and then you've got your neurotransmitters. Um, and then uh, if you're not producing those in your gut, like serotonin, then you're going to have symptoms of depression. That goes to the brain. Then the brain tells the body to be more depressed, blah, blah, blah. And that just kind of winds itself up, yeah? But all that communication, the main part of that communication between the brain and the gut is your vagus nerve, right? So... So that is how I approach it. I make sure that you improve your vagus function health because if you don't do that, then no matter how healthy your diet, 
and how many supplements you take, those supplements cannot work very well because they need to be broken down. They need to be assimilated. If your vagus function is not right, you're not going to be breaking down food properly. You're not going to be absorbing food properly. And that includes supplements, any supplements that you take. Yeah. So what then happens is when we work on um, vagus nerve function with people, then they find that all those supplements that they've been taking, that they've been kind of like uh, working like half, half. And suddenly they really feel a boost from them because suddenly everything is working so much better. So that is my approach. And that, that seems to be where a lot of people are missing the mark, I have to say. Right. Uh, I like the, you know, comparison or just like this symbolism there, right? When you have problems digesting food, right? You're, you're not processing food, digesting food. And then you're talking about this, you know, relatedness to trauma and, you know, early childhood you know adverse experiences and trauma and then so when you're like eating food you're not digesting that just like you didn't you know, process and digest you know your life and your experiences when you were younger it's like now food you know a lot of times food represents you know life like sustaining life at least so it's like you're not able to process and digest life essentially is what, what uh what it all comes down to so yeah the more you start to just process you know your life going back from where however far you need to go back and then, you know, working your way up and just, you know, feeling your feelings and allowing those to process. And then uh, that makes sense how things will start to like come online and you'll start to digest food because, you know, there won't be so much just you know, stuck energy and just bogged down and heavy. So um, do you now or do you know, other people you have worked with, do they start to like, you know, go back to eat some Maybe not like a bunch of like processed foods and junk foods, but how kind of like for me, like I, I eat gluten, whereas there was a, a decent period of time where I didn't. And I did a lot of like gut healing stuff. And now I, I don't notice any problems with it as long as like, I of course, it depends how much you eat. So have you had any experiences like that or people that you've worked with who are now able to eat foods that they that used to give them problems? Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. Loads, loads. However, I don't myself advocate rubbish or food that is not clean because that affects us in every way biochemically energetically emotionally it affects us in every way so if you put garbage in you're gonna get garbage out i mean yeah. it obviously doesn't make sense so so i don't advocate that but um in terms of let, let's just stick with an example of somebody who has so much imbalance in their body that they're basically not able to tell, tolerate a, a proper, like normal range of food. And I'm talking like things like vegetables and things that they technically should be able to tolerate. Although obviously we are all different. And just because broccoli is good for most people doesn't mean it's good for everybody. You know, the same with everything, the same with garlic, the same with everything. So if, if, you, if you don't tolerate particular food, um, well, maybe it's not good for you or whatever, but there are people, I'm sure you know, and you've heard and, uh, that the, basically the body starts to malfunction through all these imbalances so much that they start to tolerate less and less and less, and they can't do this and they can't do that. They can't eat this. They can't do eat that. They can't smell this thing and that thing. And they become this hypersensitive to everything. Yeah. So that is definitely a nervous system issue. 
definitely a nervous system issue. And so then, and obviously don't forget there's a co direct connection between nervous system function and immune function. So if you have reactions to food, that's an immune response. That immune response is absolutely 100% unequivocally connected to your nervous system function because the relationship between those two systems is so intimate, so close. And like I said, the, the vagus nerve um, innervates the gut, the spleen, the thymus. These are all immune, immune um, organs, right? So when we have that situation where somebody corrects those imbalances within the nervous system, which they, they can do because they, you know, they can do deep breathing. They can do all of those things that we can do, clear the emotional toxicity. There are so many different things that we can do to kind of calm everything down. Then everything in the body calms down and the immune reactivity is not the same. So the inflammation, inflammation, chronic inflammation is one of the hallmarks, key symptoms of vagus nerve dysfunction. Anybody who has chronic inflammation in whatever part of the body of any kind that they're struggling to get rid of, it's a vagus nerve issue. So if we can correct that, you find that the body, the whole body comes down, everything comes down, and then the body is a lot more tolerant. It's more tolerant to foods and more tolerant to smells. It's more tolerant to even toxins that are coming at it because yeah, sure, we don't want toxins coming at our body, but unfortunately, so far, this is the world we're living in, and we have them everywhere because our, you know, horrible people in our governments are allowing the toxins to be sprayed at us, to be put in our food chain, to be put in our water. They're allowing that, right? And so those lobbyists and people who make money out of it don't really give a crap about our health. Let's be clear on that, yeah? So when people trust the governments with their health, they couldn't, you could make a bigger mistake. They don't care. So unfortunately, we will have that onslaught of toxins. And when people are really sensitive, they basically fall apart because they just cannot handle that. So whether it's food or toxins or anything else, and suddenly when you do this work and everything calms down, suddenly you're not on your knees just because you've been exposed to some fumes at a petrol station and that basically knocked you out for the rest of the day. It just doesn't happen. There's more tolerance, there's more margin in the system, there's more bandwidth, if that makes sense, in the system. So that's 100% correct. And then I, I'll give you an example of a, of a, a client of mine. I had, I had loads of those cases, but this was so sweet because she um, had got issues for about over 10 years when she approached me, over 10 years. And at some point, like back and forth, she went to the best clinics. She went to Mark Hyman, the best functional clinic in America, whatever, right? She did all that, spent a lot of money, thousands and thousands of dollars. But then she came across this book from a people may be aware of, The Body Keeps the Score by, by Sel van der Kock. And she read that book and she thought, aha, this is the missing link, right? So she figured that bit out and then she approached me to help her clear some stuff and do some work with her. Literally within, I'm kidding you not, within three or four weeks of the work we were doing together, she went from literally not being able to, like she was eating like, I don't know, 10 foods because she was like literally reacting to everything. 
Uh, she had been taking ton of supplements and not even being able to tolerate herbs, like, you know, herbs that are supposed to calm and soothe your digestive system. She wasn't even able to tolerate that, right? And within a very short time, a few weeks, I think it was literally like a month, maybe, maybe even less than that, she started saying, this is amazing because now I have something to in- reintroduce some things and I'm okay. I'm okay. I can do this. And then another um, couple of weeks of work and it was her birthday and she was so excited and she emailed me and she said that, I know this was a bit crazy, but I really wanted this. And I had, um, I think she had uh, something like pumpkin pie or kilam pie or something like that, but it was, it was with gluten and it was with dairy, two things that would just literally knock her out for like a week usually. And she had that slice of pie for her birthday, just like an experiment. And basically she wanted to, uh, because she hadn't been, you know, able to, to, um, eat probably, you know, anything nice for so long. And so she treated herself and she was fine and she was fine. And so, so obviously I said, you know, don't, don't go nuts and then start eating lots of gluten and dairy. So it's obviously there's issues with that. It's not going to do, it's inflammatory and it's not going to do you very good if you overdo it. Right. But the whole point was that normally that would have really knocked her out for a long time. She liked that her digestion would have been off for like a week or more in that situation and it didn't do that so that that is what is uh, what is possible wow yeah it's beautiful i'm getting chills and yeah it's so so how is your perspective of health changed real like how do you see what well actually let's go with that yeah what is your definition of health now um because yeah i really like that i see that all the time people get so caught up in like just this this trap this narrow lens right just trying to go deeper and deeper restrict more foods or maybe no i just need this combo or if you know i had taken those supplements and then just deeper in there instead of kind of yeah broadening back so what is your how do you see health in general like what is health because obviously you know it's you know, it's not just not getting a disease or something or, and <laughs> so, yeah. And I, then, love, and then, I love this question. You're right. Yeah, Optimal uh, health is a lot more than the absence of disease. Okay. I think everybody's on the same page with that. And then right? can you like explain what that looks like? Cause a lot of people just don't even know what that looks like at all. Or it actually even kind of reminds me, we were talking earlier about the um, people not recognizing that they're, you know, they are, you know, anxious or that, you know, they are like in this kind of over, overactive state because they, you know, they look around at their life now and like, you know, well, I see a steady income. I see a family. I see loved ones. Like I'm not in danger. So therefore I don't have, I, you know, I can't have anxiety or, or depression or, or trauma or all this stuff. Cause like, you know, look around me, you know, cause they don't go in and realize what's happening in their body. So yeah. What is your definition of health? And then what can you like describe that? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. So um, my definition of health is that we are not like different parts, you know. Um, it's all connected. The field, uh, the mind, and the body are one system. That's the, that's the foundation of everything. Because if you get on board with that idea rather than try and separate and treat mind stuff separately and body stuff separately and then energetic stuff. It's like, no, forget it. It's all one system, okay? And if you get on board with that, then what you then need to understand is this, that 
you've got your biochemical self, the physical biochemical, right? Then you've got the, the emotional stuff, the emotional body. And then you've, you've got your biofield, you've got your energy field. Now, you can have disturbances at any point coming at you that will affect any of those three pillars, if you like, those columns, right? And then what also happens is that everything affects everything else. So uh, an, an example of that was that if I have a, a negative emotion and it's chronic because normally emotion come and go it's absolutely fine no problem with that but i'm talking chronically i'm stuck in something chronically the one it's gonna mess me up energetically clearly and then secondly like we already said it will actually go deeper and and affect the body because it will then mess up the gut and da 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 and then they will wind itself up and so so everything affects everything else so we, we obviously need to accept that. But what then happens is that when we have those different external stimuli coming at us, none of this is good or bad, really, because it's all down to the, the internal interpretation at the end of the day. So all stress is really internal stress. It's not, there's no such thing as external stress because we know that people could be going through exact through exact same experience and one person will come away traumatized and the other one won't. And there's loads of different factors which obviously affect that um, and determine whether that's what happens. So really it's, it's all created internally, right? And when you have those layers, you know, the, the field and the, the emotional and then the physical, when you have this, for instance, trauma that is inf infiltrating those layers and then eventually makes it to the physical body. Once you have a dysfunction at a physical level, you can't just do energetic work. You have to support the body physically as well. I mean, you can, but you're going to be a lot more, a lot, lot more effective um, and efficient doing this. If you, if you recognize that you already have, I don't know, gastritis and your stomach is not working or you have low stomach acid or you have a vitamin deficiency or something like that that's a biochemical thing and if you already have a dysfunction at the biochemical level you need to correct the dysfunction at the biochemical level as well as that you also need to be addressing what actually was the root cause how that dysfunction got there in the first place so so this is basically how I work to create optimal health and how I view optimal health, that we need to recognize those different levels. And we also recognize not to, as you said, exactly, not to be blinkered and try and biohack everything because it doesn't work like that. If you want optimal health, then you need to make a commitment to your health. You need to live it and breathe it. So if you have destructive thoughts, Nobody's um, yet created good health with crappy, toxic mind. That just doesn't happen. But at the same time, look at people who um, haven't got any, you know, it can, somebody, somebody asked me, can you have um, this, um, you know, emotional toxicity and, um, and have good health? And the answer is no, you can't. Uh, can you have 
holes in your energy field and be healthy. No, you can't. So you need to think of that. Can you have disrupted microbiome and be healthy? No, you can't. So all of those levels are important, but there is obviously a chain of events. There is this domino effect and we're not always aware of it as it's happening because disease takes decades to develop. Cancer doesn't take a week to develop. It takes decades to develop. The same with autoimmune disease. So this is why sometimes people just go, ah, I think I'm okay. You know, yeah. I mean, they're running like a headless chicken um, between the jobs and picking up chicken. I mean, it's just not a judgment. It's, it's how it's the life that is a crazy world that we're living in. But they have all of these things going on and they've desensitized so much because that's what they've done for years that they don't actually recognize just how stressed they are. And because they don't recognize it, they allow it to continue. And then that seeps through deeper and deeper and deeper and, until it affects the physical. And when it starts affecting the physical, you have to correct the physical as well as the emotional, as well as the energetic. So that's really how I work to create optimal health and how I view health. Because if you just single something out, you are unlikely to have big, amazing results. It will get you some of the way, obviously. It will have some effect. But it, you may not get the effect that you thought you could have just by singling something out and just be blinkered and just think, I'm just going to go after my gut now and just, like, uh, you know, take um, this, like, the most expensive probiotic on the market or something and, or, or whatever other supplement and just, or I'll just address this bug that, you know, maybe messing with my background. And it just, as you said, you sort of go in narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower. And then you, you start to forget the big picture altogether. It's easy to do because a lot of people in the space, in this health space, space will lead you down those rabbit holes. They will, because they tend, they choose to specialize in those very narrow fields. And so when you're not quite sure what you're dealing with, it's very easy to just go like, oh, maybe it's that. And then before you know it, you've been down this, like really something just really so small and really so specific. And you've completely, completely blanked out the fact that how does that fit in with everything else that is going on for you? And very few people look at it really comprehensively and really holistically. Really holistically means to look at all the layers, the emotional, the psychoenergetic, the energetic and the physical, right? And you asked, how do people even know? You know, this is a very good question um, because a lot of people live with a lot of things that are not right. If, you, if somebody uh, doesn't go to the toilet, um, and empty their bowels at least once a day. It really should be twice a day. That's not normal. If, if their bowel movement is really hard and they have to sit on the toilet for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, that's not normal. If you have like, you know, maybe belching or something like that all the time, that's not normal. But people just sort of start, or oh, you have headaches or you have fatigue and you have to have five cups of coffee through your day to even keep yourself going. That's not normal. That's not, <laughs> that's not how it should be. But I think you Mike said very, very um, correctly that people just think those things are normal. 
when they're not normal. That's not. And so then what happens is because you're ignoring those early signs, those are all early signs that your body is not happy. These are early signs that your body is not getting what it needs. It always starts with those early signs. But because we're so good at ignoring them in the Western world, in our, you know, in the West particularly, this is not a global issue, it's a Western issue really. Uh, and we're so good at disconnecting from our bodies and just living inside our heads and so good at ignoring what the body is really trying to very gently communicate at first. And then you ignore it and the body will start going, hello, right? So it's going to start throwing things at you more frequently and more and more intensely. And then you continue suppressing this because you have to go to, to this party or meeting or whatever. So rather than take time out and really tune into what's going on, you will take, you know, like a headache pill and you do it anyway or whatever, right? And, and just, so you, we keep, you know, people do that and they repress and they repress and they repress and the symptoms will become louder and louder and louder. And then at some point, the function will stop. You'll fall off the cliff. Because your body goes, you know what? I've been trying to communicate this for however many years. You haven't listened. I'm going to shut you down so that you have no other option but to listen. And that's what happened to me. That's that I'm saying that is what, exactly what happened to me. When I fell on flat on my face, when I got diagnosed with chronic fatigue, there was nowhere to go and nowhere else to do because I couldn't, because I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. It'd be like two hours and that's it. And that was done with my day. I mean, I couldn't do any more. So what I'm saying is it's, it's a very toxic Western approach, right? That we have that kind of the really not being connected to the body, not paying attention. Very deeply that's ingrained. such a big thing to connecting the, the head to the body again. It's such a big thing. You cannot heal if you don't feel. You can't. You can't heal if you don't if you don't feel. End of story. Mm -hmm. If you just live in your head, completely disconnected from what's going on in your body, it's not it's not going to work. It's never going to work. And then so then people when they come to therapy, sometimes they can have to spend a long time reconnecting to the body. But it's absolutely critical. Absolutely critical because if we were taught as children to listen to that, listen to the messages that the body is sending all the time, then we, we wouldn't be having this epidemic of, of chronic illness, would we? But that's not how the Western world works, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, it's so deeply ingrained that a lot of holistic practitioners uh, are following the same thing, just with different tools or mechanisms and uh, without, I don't even know if they realize that they're doing it. Um, but, you know, it's still pretty narrow or just, you know, replace some type of, you know, drug or medication with, a, you know, an herb and a supplement or, and, you know, but still kind of like chasing these little, I don't even know what, you know, it's just like. Yeah. I, I love it that you said that this, I've got such a big gripe with this. I honestly do. It, exactly. Exactly. Right. So, so, so here's, here's what we've got. We've got Rockefeller medicine with all the drugs and, toxic basically drugs or side effects and i am not saying they haven't got their place they have their place okay when you have an acute situation 
and you need a drug, you need a drug. Even sometimes when you diagnose with a condition and it may be um, a really bad autoimmune disease or something like that, you may need something pharmaceutical to stabilize you. Once you stabilize yourself, then you can figure out your root causes and you can figure out how to make yourself healthy again. So I am not anti-drug per se, I'm not. However, with what's going on with this constant brainwashing people that their body cannot do anything without drugs and vaccines. I mean, please, right? We've got that. So we've got that. That's the conventional approach. And they will keep their customers coming back for more because they will just push drugs on them that they don't even need, right? Let's, let's face it. Most people don't need antidepressants. They really, really don't. Um, and that's just one example. Never mind awful, awful things like statins. What's that all about, right? So anyway, can go on forever about that. So you've, we've got that world of conventional medicine completely clueless. They basically separate. If you, if you see, they've got those different specialties. They've got neurologists and then they've got uh, gastroenterologists and all the ologists that never communicate with each other, right? It's like, those are separate things. I mean, um, that's just smart people too it's like it blows your mind like i mean blows you know, your but, mind, right? but that's like and that's i mean that's what brainwashing is like you can get intelligent people it doesn't matter how smart you are if you can only see within a certain lens then it doesn't matter exactly and so so that's an idiotic approach to to help it's just like i i just cannot <laughs> believe that that anybody does that but they do and that's that's the official you know, conventional medicine. I, I'm telling you, not for much longer. People are seeing um, how this doesn't work, right? Uh, so one day this will completely fall apart. Just my own words, this will collapse the system of medicine because it just doesn't work. It doesn't work for chronic illness whatsoever. Not in one bit. Never mind that they never consider mind and they never consider soul in any mm. of that. There's no healing. Conventional medicine doesn't talk about healing it talks about treating symptoms. So we've got that. And, but then we made a nice kind of like, um, at some point, this nice uh, thing turned up called functional medicine, right? I mean, we've had natural medicine for a very long time. But then functional medicine turned up at some point, And they started talking about root cause medicine, root cause medicine. But actually, most of the time, and I'm not saying every single functional medicine practitioner does that, but a lot of them do. They do exactly what you said. They do exactly what you said. They'll basically treat symptoms with supplements. So now we had drugs. So at least we now don't have the side effects of drugs because if you treat a symptom with, I don't know, a bigger dose of vitamin B or whatever, great. That, that's actually a step in the right direction, but it's so, so far <laughs> from where we need to go with this. Because another thing that is very funny, what I think is funny about functional medicine is that they talk about root cause, but then they'll tell you that it's all about the gut. It's all about the gut. You know, you have to, if you get the gut right, that's the root cause and everything will be peachy. Well, we just talked about it. Is it true? It's only partially true. Definitely, obviously, it's important to get your, your gut and your microbiome in order, for sure, for sure. But there's, here's a question that I keep asking over and over, and a lot of those people don't really want to listen to that, but I'm asking, 
what screwed up the gut in the first place? You were born with screwed up gut or something actually screwed it up along the way? And most of the time, even though obviously we can talk intergenerational trauma, like I said, epigenetics and all of that, but actually what you find is that you had early exposure to stress and we have studies that show that that actually impacts the microbiome and the gut. And then, so then you can't heal leaky gut if you don't heal your nervous system. You just can't. You could be going honestly to the end degree trying to heal your leaky gut and you will always have leaky gut if you haven't healed your nervous system. And healing your nervous system means healing your traumas, means healing your beliefs. It means healing the emotional toxicity, the chronic guilt, chronic shame, poor self-worth, blah, 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 right? See how that always sort of comes back to that. But obviously trauma, you know, I mentioned that there's PTSD time trauma and there's developmental trauma. There's also things like ancestral trauma. The stuff that's sitting in the field from, you know, God knows how many generations back. Who's talking about that, you know, in relation to, to the gut? Nobody, <laughs> right? So that's crazy. It's crazy. We need to bring it all together and not be so blinkered and just try and biohack everything because it, it gets you some of the way. And I'm not saying that you can't use those hacks to just help yourself along. You can and you should, but, but don't think that that's going to give you the optimum levels of health, which personally just not being sick is not good enough for me. I, I need to be healthy. When I was at my sickest, and at a time I was into ballroom and Latin dancing and I used to do a lot of competitions. And when that, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue and then just like that overnight bang, I couldn't do it. But I was determined to go back to that. And I went back to competitive dancing. I went back to rock climbing. I went back to running. I went back to say, I just do whatever I want really. Uh, in terms of physics, I'm not limited. I'm completely recovered. And a lot of people will tell you, you can never recover from chronic fatigue. That's complete nonsense, complete nonsense. But if you just follow the conventional approach, then no, you probably will always have it, right? So so that's why this this more comprehensive, and yes, there will be different things and mitochondria and cell danger response and this and that. But like I said, you need to heal it at the cell level at the organ level, tissue tissue level, and then at the mind level and the brain level, and at the energetic field level. You have to do all of that. Then you're going to get to the optimal level. And even if it sounds a bit overwhelming, if you there are some you know ways to ascertain what the biggest piece of the pie is, where you can make most gains most quickly. You can figure that out. And there are ways of doing rule. it, right? Yeah, that's what I talk about the the eighty twenty rule using that, and you know what's going to get the biggest results in the yeah the least amount of time or what's like the smallest thing that you can do that gets the most results. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so then you you make the the way you can the biggest gains, and then and then you kind of fine tune and fine tune, and you go go after those other pieces. Uh, and, you know, there's loads of things involved, including electromagnetic fields, all of that stuff, you know. So a lot of it is about removing the garbage out, both emotionally, because you're not going to do 
beautiful emotional work if, if you still continue putting the garbage in yeah so a lot of that you know you need to take that out but the same with the body what's the point of taking supplements you're still putting garbage in yeah so so we need to um the same energetically you know if you're hanging out with people who are literally bombarding you with crap energy and you're not protecting yourself and you're welcoming it in you know what's the point of then going you know you know it's just it, it's common sense the news. Yeah. Watching the news every day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that one will get you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> They're the masters of programming. Remember, nobody yeah. can program you better than the media and the politicians. <laughs> yeah. And so, if you don't program yourself, somebody else will do that for you. Please remember mm-hmm. this absolutely 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, something's always going in. So you need to be in charge of what's going in because <laughs> something is yeah. beautiful so lastly uh, so when it comes to healing the this vagus nerve and you know switching going from sympathetic parasympathetic what are we what are we talking about there when you're talking about um, you know throughout this conversation you know any type of just anything that falls under the category of like trauma therapy or anything that you know, produces relaxation like breathwork meditation um what kind of so someone who might listening and just like you know this resonates like i need to how do, how can i start to you know calm my nervous system what are we talking about there for them yeah absolutely all of those things however i, I want to make one point because when people go and uh, look up vagus nerve stimulation techniques loads of stuff will come up anything from deep breathing techniques through meditation through things like havening techniques eft all sorts of psychotherapy techniques blah blah blah, all of the stuff at the mind level then there's going to be things like acupuncture and massage uh, sauna therapy cold therapy um you know gargling harming singing any type of sound therapy all of those sort of things um, and um, even physical approaches, like you know, supporting your microbiome, will still help your vagus nerve. So there's going to be loads. But what I want to say, which is really, really important, probably the most important, is that when you activate your ventral vagus response, so that's your rest, digest, and detoxify and heal response. You know that because you feel that kind of, ah, that's nice feeling, yeah? So that's how you know, you feel, you feel that. Now, if there is something that people are saying, oh, this is really good for your vagus nerve, and then you go and do that, and you feel activated by it, you feel stressed by it, then clearly at this point in time, just because this works for everybody else, it's the same with food, yeah? Like I said before, garlic, garlic, garlic for everybody. Well, my husband is allergic to garlic, so it's not good for him, yeah? Same with this. If you are used to meditating, for instance, or you like sound therapy, sound healing, that sort of thing, uh, maybe you even play an instrument, stuff like that. This this obviously will work for you and you will resonate with, with this and resonance is everything. However, say somebody has got a lot of unresolved trauma and they come to meditate and they basically feel really worked up, really agitated, and they basically feel more stressed doing it and not doing it. Then what that means is you're not activating your ventral vagus. Just because this is a good technique for activating vagus nerve 
it's not right for you at this time and you are not activating it, you activating your fight or flight. So go towards things uh, whether it will be things like, you know, cold showers or sauna therapy, those things work because this is a hormetic way of um, strengthening the vagus nerve. Um, but that, that can be also helpful, the kind of those body-based things. Anything like massage, things like that, that just makes you feel relaxed. Anything that just makes you feel nice, safe, safe, because you will not activate your vagus nerve unless you feel safe. And unless your brain considers that. So you need to be perceived, the perceived sense of safety. Just like perceived stress and real stress are, are for your nervous system. It doesn't mean, matter if it's real or not. If it's perceived, it's still stress and it's going gonna, it's gonna to activate the fight or flight. Same with relaxation. It needs to be perceived by you to be relaxing. That's very important. So I can give you all of those tools and tell you go and do them, but you may not be in the right place to do some of these things. And you may find that actually I'll do better with something else. And that if that's the case, you do that something else because you obviously have a better resonance and it's going to work better for you. That's not to say that if somebody is activated negatively by meditation, they shouldn't explore why that is because you always need to get to those root causes. That's I, I encourage that. I absolutely um, advocate that. Um, but at this point in time, you may find that if you do a slow, deep breathing exercise, you're okay with it. But if you try and meditate and sit there and on, you may not be right. So you just need to pick what, what is better for you at this time. And then if something triggers you negatively, you need to then go and explore why that is. Yeah, let's say with the, the breathing techniques, uh, yeah, it's become super popular to do the hyperventilation style. Um, and then so people will do that thinking that will help relax them, but then they're just like working themselves up and they'd be much better off with just, you know, slow breathing and just really relaxed breathing. Um, so, yeah, that's a. That's a very good point. If I may, if I may comment on this, because that's an excellent point. Excellent point, because there are two ways, two ways, um, distinct different ways of actually um, getting your vagus function improved. One of them is directly calming it down. So a deep, slow breathing will do that. The other is what I already alluded to, and that's hormesis. So when you do something that you, you dosing carefully the stress, and because you're dosing that stress carefully, whether it's heat, cold, or exercise, exercise exactly, or, or as you said, some of those breathings like Wim Hof breathing or breath of fire, something like that, is that stress breath? That's stress breath. So what they do is they don't actually uh, indirectly they they, uh, they work on the vagus nerve indirectly via adaptation. But because some people have a lot of um, unresolved trauma and they basically spend a lot of their time in fight or flight or freeze response, then if you try and give them that sort of breathing, that may be too much for them at this time. And they may do exactly, as you said, better with the slow, more relaxing type of breathing. So there's a big difference. Some of those techniques are acting directly on the vagus nerve, activating vagus nerve directly, and then other techniques 
basically activate your fight or flight, but because it's only brief and controlled, then you go through, you put yourself through that stress response, then you come back down and your body, because it was dosed carefully, your body will adapt and then you'll be able to handle more and more and more and more. So that's, as we said, that's cold therapy, heat therapy, exercise, and those kind of advanced breathing techniques. So that's, that's why. So people need to make a distinction because not everybody is ready uh, for, for the Wim Hof method. Let's face it, not everybody's ready for that at this time. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, uh, I've been thinking about this cold river down there. I was thinking about going in today. I didn't have time this morning. And I just think about it again. <laughs> It'd be real cold. That was a very intense. <laughs> I think a lot different than a cold shower. But um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> can you share how people can find you, uh, you know, attend your workshops, work with you, all that stuff? Yes. Yeah, so the best uh, way I don't do a fake book or any of the other awful social media who just want to censor anything that is actually good for people and can help people, as I have discovered, I've been banned enough times for sharing, you know, natural approaches. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not big on them. So the best really way to get to me is from my website which is dr-eva so it's dr eva but it's dr-eva.com and then all, all, the, all the information really is there and i mean if people have any questions they can always email me and they can do that through the website as well uh, i've got my my big um 12 module course uh coming up this is uh, going to launch very soon in the next few weeks and that's basically um, the course is about addressing psychoenergetic root causes of chronic illness. So all this stuff, we building um, neurological, emotional, and physical resilience, but we also addressing, we're going deep with trauma. This is the sort of course that you do work through it yourself, but I am on standby in case, you know, something big could be coming up and you, you need that additional support. Um, but um, I've got, I'm testing it right now and I've got a, a bunch of people doing it right now as a beta test and they're, and they're loving it. I'm getting really great feedback and people are really accessing things at a deep level doing this. So it's so great. Um, I'm very pleased with that. So if anybody's interested, um, come and contact me and check it out. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. Let me know when that's live too I, well actually I'll, I'll see in your email Samurai. but um yeah thanks again for being here and sharing all your great wisdom and it's just yeah so nice and refreshing to talk to people like yourself and you know who share the same values and perspectives of health uh which i believe is you know through it's through experience right like it sounds like yours came through experience mine came through experience and i'm not through books or what other people said um that helped affirm things and be like oh yeah you know this happened and then i read that there it makes a lot of sense but it really came from doing and being and experiencing um and so that's what i, I think i was picking up from you so thank you again and have a great rest of your day thank you so much for having me and i hope this was useful definitely